listening to the podcast 82488, gradually moved into the realm of urban legend, and the ever-dwindling tribe of Gunters gradually became the object of ridicule. Each year on the anniversary of Halliday's death, newscasters jokingly reported on their continued lack of progress. And each year, more Gunters called it quits, concluding that Holiday had indeed made the egg impossible to find. And that was a selection from today's novel. Ready, player one, by author Ernest Klein. Page eight. Temporary bands dominated the music charts. People who had actually been teenagers in the 1980s, all now approaching old age, had the strange experience of seeing the fads and fashions of their youth embraced and studied by their grandchildren. A new subculture was born, composed of the millions of people who now devoted every free moment of their lives searching the Halliday's egg. At first, these individuals were known simply as egg hunters, but this was quickly truncated by the nickname Gunters. During the first year of the hunt, being a Gunter was highly fashionable and nearly every oasis user claimed to be one. When the first anniversary of Holiday's death arrived, the fervor surrounding the contest began to die down. An entire year had passed and no one had found anything. Not a single key or gate. Part of the problem was the sheer size of the oasis. It contained thousands of simulated worlds where the keys might be hidden and it could take a gunter years to conduct a thorough search of any one of them. Despite all of the professional gunters who posted on their blogs that they were getting closer to a breakthrough every day, the truth gradually became apparent. No one really even knew exactly what it was they were looking for or where to start looking for it. Another year passed, and another, still nothing. The general public lost interest in the contest. People began to assume it was all just an outlandish hoax perpetuated by a rich nut job. Others believe that even if the egg really did exist, no one was ever going to find it. Meanwhile, the oasis continued to evolve and grow in popularity. Protected from takeover attempts and legal challenges by the ironclad terms of Holiday's will and the army of rabbit lawyers he had tasked with administering his estate. Holiday's Easter egg gradually moved into the realm of urban legend and the ever-dwindling tribe of Gunters
subject of ridicule. Each year on the anniversary of Halliday's death, newscasters jokingly reported on their continued lack of progress. And each year, more gunters called it quits, concluding that Holiday had indeed made the egg impossible to find. And another year went by. Page 24 Doing my best to remain unseen while being careful to avoid tripping over a shopping cart, engine block, or one of the other pieces of junk littering the narrow alleys between the stacks. I rarely saw anyone out at this time of the morning. The commuter shuttles ran only a few times a day, so the residents, lucky enough to have a job, would already be waiting at the bus stop by the highway. Most of them worked as day laborers in the giant factory farms that surrounded the city. After walking about half a mile, I reached a giant mound of old cars and trucks piled haphazardly along the stack's eastern perimeter. Decades ago, the cranes had cleared the park of as many abandoned vehicles as possible to make room for even more stacks, and they'd dumped them in huge piles like this one all around the settlement's perimeter. Many of them were nearly as tall as the stacks themselves. I walked to the edge of the pile, and after a quick glance around to make sure I wasn't being watched or followed, I turned sideways to squeeze through a gap between two crushed cars. From there, I ducked, clamored, and sidestepped my way farther and farther into the ramshackle mountain of twisted metal until I reached a small open space at the rear of a buried cargo van. Only the rear third of the van was visible. The rest was concealed by the other vehicles stacked on and around it. Two overturned pickup trucks lay across the van's roof at different angles, but most of their weight was supported by the cars stacked on either side, creating a kind of protective arch that had prevented the van from being crushed by the mountain of vehicles piled above it. I pulled out a chain I kept around my neck, on which there hung a single key. In a stroke of luck, this key had still been hanging from the van's ignition when I'd first discovered it. Many of these vehicles had been in working condition when they were abandoned. Their owners had simply no longer been able to afford fuel for them. So they'd just parked them and walked away. I pocketed my flashlight and unlocked the van's rear right door. It opened about a foot and a half, giving me just enough room to squeeze inside. I pulled the door closed behind me and locked it again. 
the van's rear doors had no windows, so I was hunched over in total darkness for a second until my fingers found the old power strip I'd duct taped to the ceiling. I flipped it on, and an old desk lamp flooded the tiny space with light. The crumpled green roof of a compact car covered the crushed open page 88 for a moment I was too starstruck to speak to break my paralysis I reminded myself that the person operating the avatar in front of me might not be a woman at all this girl whom I'd been cyber crushing on for the past three years might very well be an obese hairy knuckled guy named Chuck once I'd conjured up the sobering image, I was able to focus on my situation and the question at hand. What was she doing here? After five years of searching, I thought it was highly improbable that we'd both discover the Copper Key's hiding place on the same night. Too big of a coincidence. Cat got your tongue, she asked. I said... Who the hell are you? Like her, I had my avatar's name tag switched off. Clearly, I wanted to remain anonymous, especially under the circumstances. Couldn't she take the hint? Greetings, I said, bowing slightly. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. She smirked. Chief Metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain. At your service, I replied, grinning. She'd caught my obscure Highlander quote and thrown another right back at me. It was Artemis, all right. Cute. She glanced over my shoulder, up at the empty days, then back at me. So, spill it. How did you do? Do what? Jousting against Aserac, she said, as if it were obvious. Suddenly, I understood. This wasn't the first time she'd been here. I wasn't the first gunter to decipher the limerick and find the Tomb of Horrors. Artemis had beaten me to it. And since she knew about the joust game, she'd obviously already faced the Lich herself. But if she already had the copper key, there wouldn't be any reason for her to come back here. So she clearly didn't have the key yet. She'd faced the lich at joust, and he'd beaten her. So she'd come back to try again. For all I knew, this could be her eighth or ninth attempt. And she obviously assumed the lich had beaten me, too. Hello, she said, tapping her right foot impatiently. I'm waiting. I considered making a break for it, just running right past her, back out through the labyrinth and up to the surface. But if I ran, she might suspect that I had the key and decide to try to kill me to get it. The surface of Ludus was clearly marked as a safe zone 
on the Oasis map. So no. The end. Ready, player one. By Ernest Klein. Throughout the fight of literature, you will find a story that touches your soul. Please support the authors in this show by viewing the books on the website 82488.com. That's numbers 8, 2, 4, the word 80, and the number 8.com.